0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Big Fell Strength Podcast. I am, as always, with you here today, Austin Antrip. This is going to be part of my coaching segment. This will be the part two to that. Um, We're just going to go over basic stuff, and I'm going to use my story from part one to kind of relate to that. And... We're going to just talk about the common things that are happening and and where issues are taking place within coaching nowadays. So without any further ado, we'll get into it, right? First and foremost... the biggest problem in coaching on all levels is communication. Usually at the professional level coaches who don't communicate well are they're let go very quickly. Um, at the collegiate level it, it all depends on Who you're communicating with. Um. I communicated with. uh, Or not I communicated with. But. If you communicate with only like. 10% of your players. And then after that it's gone. Then. You know Usually. It's going to reflect on your success. And that's at the collegiate level, you know, depending on what kind of bar has been set for you as a coach, it's very impactful on your job security as a coach. So, um, and then at the high school level, it, it's one of those things where coaches don't communicate. They're not successful. And then they hold their hands up in the air, not understanding what the problem is. And that in it that in essence was you know, that's just you there's nothing that can be done about that from a, if you're a parent that's listening, if you're a coach that's listening, uh, or like an assistant coach to a coach that's like that, um, or a player, I think I said parent, whatever, you know, there's nothing that can be done, The, the school holds that right to be able to dictate whether or not that coach is a good fit for their athletic program or not. Um, You know, schools don't often have a say As opposed to the professional level Um, You know, athletes have more of a voice And the coach kind of becomes that guy At the professional organization Or at the professional level, I should say the coach kind of becomes that guy in the background like truly you know because all all the cameras are pointed towards the players you don't get a lot of footage of training camps you don't um I think the big reason why is because at training camp the focus needs to be preparation and improvement not you know, oh, you guys are on a winning streak and you guys are doing so good, you know, what do you have to say about it? Or watch this dude break a tackle and then go another 50 yards. Same thing with baseball. Like, Yeah, you have spring training, but, you know, there's camp... There's camp before training. I'd say at the professional level for baseball, managers are a little more important, I'd say. Um, I'm not saying in football or basketball that coaches aren't important, but the on terms of, hey... This guy is not communicating. He's being very disrespectful to us, is high, valuable assets to this organization. Um, You know, and I refuse to play under this coach's tyranny, essentially. That says a lot more at the professional level than it does at the academic level. At the academic level, you go to the principal or the athletic director and you tell him the same thing he's going to he's either going to find a way for you and the coach to resolve the issue or he's just going to tell you to kick rocks um you know I had a co- I had a problem with one coach and ironically it was my it was my JV coach for baseball the head coach was also the athletic director uh, the day I quit you know the head the head varsity coach um, you know told um, kind of implored me and, and kind of begged me to go back out there and make amends and, and compete or you know I think it's one point he if I remember correctly he his last-ditch option was, you know, have me dress varsity and be on the depth chart for varsity. And I just told him, like, I'd spent the whole year fighting to improve myself, fighting to get better, fighting to show this JV coach that, you know, I am a good baseball player. And he just never took note. And, um... You know, constantly is playing these mind games with me, and it just got to the point where I was done with it. I was, I wasn't gonna, you know, do the dog and pony show. I'm, I'm not gonna be quiet. You know, and it all came down to a moment in which he grouped me in with somebody else's performance, and and it kind of made it made me irate because I wasn't making any mistakes. But yet, he was mad at me for that, and I think the biggest issue, you know, after further, it was it was this kid's senior year of ball, or I think it was either his senior, yeah, it was a senior year of ball, and I was a junior. No, correction, this was his second to last year, so he's a junior. Right. And. He had been riding the bench on JV. For the first two years. And. um, I was a sophomore. And I. I found out that he was. Approached by this kid's parents. Because of his playing time. And. I had a moment in practice Like first three weeks Where I strained a muscle In my shoulder It was an easy you know Take it easy for a week Stretch make sure you're not like Overdoing it You know just take it easy You can still play just Don't be going crazy And this dude Benches me Right and I'm not like I'm not mad about it now, but back then I'm ref- I'm reflecting my emotion and my feelings from how I felt back then. I'm just like okay, whatever. But then when I found out that this kid was playing simply because his parents approached him as as the coach, you know, talking about you know he's he's got seniority, he's been re- he's been paying his dues, he's been riding the bench, and we want to see him play. And I think that that's what ultimately he didn't want to get mad at the dude that wasn't as good as me, because then that would involve him being upset at himself. And so instead, he wants to get mad at me because I can't, I can't be worse than this kid. That's the way I interpret it, right? I get pulled into the athletic director's office and so he's the head varsity coach and he talks to me about the whole situation I said listen I said I'm 16 years old I said I'm no by no means an adult yet but on terms of right and wrong I don't care I said, I've always been a firm believer in the best player plays. And I looked him dead in the eyes. I said, if I sucked, then tell me I suck and tell me that's why I'm not playing. I said, but don't for a minute sit there and say that I'm not better than that kid. I said, because I've dressed for more varsity games as a depth chart guy, you know, and a a designated hitter, I dress for more varsity games than this dude has, and he's a junior. I said so clearly, and he, he saw where I was coming from, but the problem was, is that those two didn't exactly, this was his first year as a head coach, and the JV coach had been there for a little while and they butt heads. That's how they are. And their communication was god-awful. They, they, it was almost as if they tried to avoid each other. And so I said, I was wrong for how I reacted. I should have been a little bit more calm and collected in my reaction but the outcome remains the same i still would have left the field i still would have took my jersey off and turned it in and not participated in that game i said i said as a coach because he had quite a resume he coached the girls softball team for a long time um it was very successful and then transitioned over to baseball um you know, I said, as a coach, have you ever pushed your pl- one of your players as far to where the last tournament of the year, the last games you were going to play of the year, right before it kicks off, they walk off the field and say you'll never play again? And he said, no. I said, okay. I said, I don't care if you think I have to apologize. I said because. I know I need to apologize. I said, my problem is, is he better apologize for what he did too. And, you know, I came back in the winter of my junior year. I tried. I, I, honest to God, tried. And I even knew that I was probably going to get some varsity playing time. Because they had talked to me about it. But I just... I was getting better at the game, but I just did not want to be there. I didn't like it, I didn't love it. I felt that I felt that I had his, I, ha, I felt that I had my JVs coach, JV coach, His eyes were on me at all times and they're just crawling on me. And I was just like, you know, I said, I ain't got time for this, you know, and I told the JV assistant coach, I told the varsity head coach, I said, I don't have time for this. I said, this is high school. (coughs) I said, there are better things I could be doing with my time than worrying about how this man feels about me. And I said, and I'll never be, I'll never be able to, be sec- feel secure about that again i said because he he ruined the sport for me and they couldn't understand it cuz i was getting better and you know and i was just like i just don't want to play i've lost all ambition i've lost all drive and i said i hate that and i'm sorry i'm i've wasted your guys' time but i'm done and i went on and i I decided I was going to throw track, and I wasn't any good at that either, but my coach didn't care. He, but he cared, but he, just, he didn't care that, you know, some guy that's never thrown a shot put isn't getting better every day, you know. So, and he was also my offensive line coach, so it was one of those things where I was just like, I'll do it. You know, I'll have fun with it. So that's the biggest part of this episode is communication on all levels. It is the most vital part because when you don't communicate, you bottle feelings up. When you bottle feelings up, you end up taking it out on somebody and sometimes it's not who you should be taking it out on. You're not, you're not hitting your problem head on. You're redirecting yourself and making yourself look like an ass as a coach because you, you direct that energy towards somebody who n- doesn't deserve that. So communication is the most important thing. Get to know your players, you know, to them you know and talk to them with with their drills throughout practices tell them what they're doing good tell them what they're doing bad you know and just remain ever so f- fluid with with your communication because it it speaks it speaks wonders when when you do it and the reaction and the improvement you'll see with your athletes is just going to be so much better because of the fact that they feel comfortable not only taking criticism from you but they also feel comfortable having a conversation with you so they not only to better understand them what what it is you want but to better understand why you you want it in the first place you know So that's the most important part of this episode. A few other things to touch up on are things like, uh, things such as, what, what, patience, there we go, patience. Right, but you probably have to have a lot of that to listen to me talk. Patience—that it plays hand in hand with communication, verbally and even visually. Kids aren't going to get it right away. Athletes aren't going to understand right away. You know, so you have to be patient with their process. And you have to be supportive. Don't drag them down. Don't make them feel worthless because they're just not getting it as fast as you want them to. You need to be, you need to be patient. You need to support them. And that's what's gonna help them get better faster. And if you don't believe me, well then fine whatever don't believe me but in my experience i've never i've never not been patient with somebody i was working with um on terms of you know coaching powerlifting and stuff like that it it's 10 times better than just being negative nelly all the time like and that's another thing that ties into communication you need Sometimes it's hard for kids to always pick out when you're being positive and negative. That's something you need to communicate with your players. If you're the kind of guy that sits there and you find all the bad things that they're doing and you're telling them, let them know first. Have that disclaimer that, hey, I'm not at all like trashing on you here. But this You're doing great But these are the things That you need to work on Right You need to appreciate The time that they're putting into it And the effort they're putting into it Because I've seen kids Do something wrong But they do it wrong At 110% And I'm telling you what That's better than a kid Doing it right at 50% because you know they want it that's how you know they want to do good is when they do it wrong at 110 miles an hour and they fall flat on their face that's how you know that they, they aspire to do what it is that you want them to do at the level of greatness it's just a matter of getting getting them there so like i said a lot of this stuff's going to tie into communication and that's why communication is the most important part um, and to volley off of patience you know what is patience patience isn't running the drill one time or one, for one week and then throwing it away you have to have a regimen. If you want them to get better in certain subject areas using a drill, then you need to drill them every day to allow progress. You need to be repetitive. And same thing with like same thing with communication. You have to be patient enough to repeat yourself over and over and over again. You're going to have to do that. So. I think the biggest issue that is next, right next to, you know, communication is unequivocally patience. Absolutely and unequivocally, it's patience because the reason why people get tired of repeating themselves is because they're not patient enough to have to repeat themselves if that makes sense and i've seen it i've seen it firsthand firsthand everybody'll understand the drill except for one person and then that one person gets told by the coach the same thing over and over and over again and the coach is showing them how to do it, and it's just not working out. You know, he's still making mistakes. And then the coach says, "I'm tired of repeating myself." You know, I've—I can't tell you how many times I've told you this. And they just absolutely lose it. That's what you need to stop. Stop letting it get to you. It's not that deep. If he doesn't get it today, maybe he'll get it tomorrow. If he doesn't get it tomorrow, maybe he'll get it next year. If he doesn't get it next year, maybe he'll understand it and get it by his senior year. These are the things I'm talking about. You know, you you have if that's if that's that's if that's the rate of progression then you need to respect that. Not everybody progresses at the same rate. You know? And progression takes both physical and mental efforts. And some people are very physical beings. And then other people are more mental beings and not as physical. So it's just stuff like that that you just... You need to be patient because yelling at them is literally going to tear everything that you've reinforced down because they're going to get upset they're going to get mad because they the last thing they're trying to do intentionally is disappoint you as the coach the best coach i've ever watched do it you know you have those kids who i call them the bright idea kids who have that bright idea to Start playing a sport in high school That they never even played In little league You know And the bright idea Kids It's easier to sit There when you're trying to teach them How to do things And when they're doing it wrong It's easier to sit there And laugh And engage with them And smile about it over and over again because it doesn't show them that you're mad it shows them that you're you're humorous about it and you know that can draw problems too they can be insecure about the fact that they think they're making fun of you but as a coach like I said communication you need to let them know it's not that you're making fun of them it's that you're laughing because You're laughing because you find it humorous that it would be this hard to teach somebody. It's like you got to explain to them the humor behind it. I'll say that. You know, because it is humorous. But you got to explain the humor behind it. You got to let him know. Listen. It's like... You're, it's like you're a t-ball player, but you're 16 years old and weigh, you know, 195 pounds. You know, so it's a little comical, but it's okay because everybody starts somewhere. This is where you're starting and we're going to get you better. You know, you need to reinforce that. You need to communicate with them. And that's what that coach did. And then... When he finally got through and he saw him do it right, whatever it was, I can't remember. It was some kind of baseball drill. He throws his hands up in the air, runs out onto the field. Holy shit, holy shit, he did it! Oh my god! Like, and and the, the, you gotta act as if you're incapable as a coach. You can't treat the player like they're incapable of comprehending and reflecting what you're coaching. As the coach, you're the idiot. That's what I that's what I always tell people. You're I said you're like the puppet master, right? And the puppet is what everybody sees in the show. But what they don't see behind the screen is you making f- weird, you know, you sitting there Talking with a high-pitched voice, you know, putting on a show for everybody. You're the idiot. You're the clown. So that's what that's how I like to look at it in terms of, you know, being repetitive and being positively reinforcing and being patient. Because being patient is the second next thing and then finally we've got the last thing which is um positivity it's hard it's hardest to be positive in the darkest of times um and i, I like i said i've had this too I've had everybody who counted me out, man. I've had everybody count me out of a lot of things throughout life and they the odds, they they put the odds against me and I don't want to say that I don't want to sit here and say, "Oh, I was still I just rubbed it in their nose because I wasn't that kind of person." But I kept pushing forward. And that's the positive. Out of that negative. Um, As a coach. Especially with younger men or women. It's important that an adult is there to tell them that it's okay. It's important that there's an adult there to tell them that they tried their best. And that they gave their effort and it's important for you to be the leader you have I love the strong silent type coaches because they're the always the coaches that get teary-eyed at the end of the year when the season's over when you get your ass kicked and it's funny because that is where I feel you need to be the strongest for your players. Is you need to be there when they're sobbing in the. And it's not. I'm not saying you can't cry, but you need to be there to point out the positives and not point out the negatives. The thing I hated hearing the most after four years of football at the end of each and every se- season is that. You know, the coach would sit there and say, you know, I'm appreciative of you young men, and I I love you guys, and you guys are important to me and always will be important to me, and I cherish everything that you did for me. And I just hate hearing that because with me... You're, you're making it about yourself as the coach, what, what they did for you. Make it about what they did for themselves. Because for most of them, it's going to be the last time they ever get on a football field or soccer field or basketball field in their lives. So make it about them. Tell them, you guys have nothing to be ashamed of. You guys may not have had a very big margin of success on terms of victory, but you did set the standard of how to keep your chin up and how to take one on the jaw and keep moving. And for that, I'm most proud of. You know, or if you did have a winning most group of seniors who won a lot and, broke records and you know you need to point those you need to point those things out and let them know that you know that if you're if you can be this successful in a sport you can be successful in life you know but i hate coaches who sit there and cry and sob because they have to start over with a new group you know and <laughs> It's like, it brings such a grim outlook to it because it's just like, dang, he's right. You know, these guys were tougher than nails and now we're not going to have that anymore. So um, that's that's my last thing on basics is like, you need to be, you need to find that speck of gold in the pile of dung You know, you need to find that that shining star in the sky on a cloudy night, Um, and you need to harness that, and you need to bring it to your team because you're a grown grown man or a woman. You've had your time in sports, and you're blessed enough to be a part of other people's journeys now. Uh, On terms of athletics and competition. Um, So I think that as a coach, you need to bring that positivity to them in their darkest times. You know, um, there's this kid who got injured right during the senior season you had to miss the rest of it. And too often times you see coaches not talk to them or include them too much because it is painful, man. It's, it's painful to sit there and, and not get emotional about one of your players not being able to f- see it through because of something he couldn't, he or she couldn't control. So it's hard, and I get a little emotional talking about it because I've been there as well. But as a coach, I would never not include, and I would never stop talking to you because you got hurt. I'll talk to you about anything and everything. Because that's probably when you need the most positive reinforcement as a person is when you're down like that, and so, um, you know these are all the little people would say that these are the cushy you know attributes of a soft coach. It's not true, man. You can still, you can still be a hard, hard, um hard-nosed, old-school individual, but there's some of those old-school traits that need to be retrograded out of your program and out of your coaching style, and you need to input some of these positives. You know, you can yell at your players as long like, as you can get passionate. I won't say yell at your players, but you can get passionate with your players as long as they understand that it means nothing at the end of the day. We can yell at each other. You can punch me in the face. And at the end of the day, I'll see you tomorrow at school and I'll see you at practice and we're going to work on getting better. You know, that's something that needs to be put out into the limelight. You also need to be able to gauge which kids can handle that kind of toughness and other kids who aren't that aggressive. You know, I wasn't that aggressive in high school. I get out of high school, I'm a little, I'm like that now, but it's different. So um, anyway, patience, communication, positivity. Those are all three things that are kind of generally missing when it comes to coaches that don't know what's going on um you know and it's typically with the the tough silent type kind of individuals who are a little bit more hard-nosed and a little bit more passionate but you it's hard as a teenager to see through those kind of things in an adult so my advice to teenagers is you know if you hate your coach because you think he's an asshole because he yells at you or he yells a lot and you know calls you stupid little names like Dunderhead or Blockhead, you know I think that you need to take a step back and look at it from a different angle because it might not be necessarily true. Yeah, is he a little silly, is he a little goofy and is he got a temper? Sure. But I don't think that that automatically makes him, you know, suspect number one for being a bad coach. You know, um, does he make you feel stupid? Yeah, but, man, you got to send that back. You know, you got to earn their respect. If you're tired of your coach calling, calling you stupid, then you need to tell him throw your helmet down, look at him, get in his face and you tell him, "I'm tired of you call me stupid." And see what happens. If you really have a bad coach, yeah, you probably get punched in the face, but guess what? He's he don't get a job after that. But more than likely, he will he will sit there, look at you, he'll back off, and he'll he'll be okay. He, he'll respect you for what you just did. You know, so my biggest advice to players is use your voice. Don't go through these different channels of tattletaling and, oh, this is what. If you're going to complain about it at home to your parents, then just go up to them. The most important thing to learn in your teenage years is how to stick up for yourself. And it's going away from schools. Because you're not allowed to fight. You're not allowed to defend yourself. You get in trouble. It's frowned upon. You're looked at by society as a monster if you hit somebody. You know, so it's starting to go away, and and we we need to find different ways to bring that back. And if that means getting up in somebody's face and questioning them and challenging them, then do it. You know? You can still be confrontational without getting physical. So that's my biggest advice to you you guys listening that are still playing um is challenge your coach. Don't be afraid of them. Don't put up with the stuff you don't like. You know? So other than that, that's my part two. Um I I wanna thank everybody who's been listening so far and i hope you guys are getting something out of this um because it, these are truly problems and if you're if you're just some joe schmo who you know you're in your early 20s you still weight train you used to be a high school athlete you don't ever have any intentions on coaching use this for when you have kids man or woman <laughs> Use, ladies and gentlemen, use this when you have children of your own. Because they're going to go through the same... You need to raise tough kids. The world would be a lot better if we communicated better and if we were a little bit tougher and we could handle some of these things. Um, that's the kind of... Because there's not always going to be 100% tough people in the world, but the more tough people there are in the world... You know, the more these gentle people have people to stick up for them. You know, the little guy. Because there are people that are like that, you know. So, if you, I hope that's what you're getting out of it. Uh, if you're a coach, I hope that I'm either positively reinforcing you and your methods and, and validating your methods... If you're a bad coach, I hope you take these and I hope you use them. I hope you take these things and work on them as a coach to better yourself as a coach and better your relationship with your players. And for finally, for those of you that are listening that are athletes, this is how it should be. But just like everything else in the world, not everything is going to be the way it should. So what do you think that you have to do if you really are hellbent on making things right? There are only two things. The one I already mentioned, you got to stick up for yourself. Right? And others. You got to stick up to the man. You got to you got to get you got to challenge him. You know, the biggest reason why they get away, why people in dominant power positions don't change and don't ever get, you know, don't ever, they never change because they never get challenged. They never get checked. So be that person to stand up and, you know, say, hey, coach, like, no disrespect, not trying to get mouthy, but I'm sick and tired of you calling me stupid. I'm sick and tired of you here and call my teammates and classmates stupid. It's not constructive and it's not helpful and it makes us hate you, you know, Second thing you can do is have aspirations to be a coach. Be that change. Be the change. Go out there. Go to school. Get your master's in coaching and coach the way it should be. That's exact, That's kind of what I'm doing. Um, not directly, but kind of part of what I'm doing you know that's the only way you can change it and if you're not willing to do any of those things then you just need to stop complaining about it like because all you're gonna all you're gonna do by complaining about it is dwell and that's not gonna be good for you so those are my two big things for you as the athlete so anyway thank you guys for swinging by and listening Um, this is part two part three we're going to get a little bit more in depth with um, certain things certain protocols as a coach that you need to have on terms of you know player behavior and um, deciding who gets to play and, and things of that nature so thanks for thanks for listening and I hope you guys have a good day and that part three will be coming out soon